industry news, trends, the people involved. I'm Ricky Carmichael. This is Kevin Schwartz. This is Josh Timoth. This is Kelly Smith. This is Travis Latroy. This is Jeremy McGrath. And now, Pit Pass Radio. All right, welcome back to the show. I want to thank our hour number one guest, Nick Faringer, was on, Mike Witowski, Brad Jeraminski, and we had our in-studio guest, Mark Good, who's the race director for Zero Prostate Cancer, which is coming up September 28th. It's actually a nationwide thing, so if you're not listening in our our uh, back backyard here in the Des Moines area, uh, there's there's look up zero prostate cancer. There's a there's a ton of uh, zerocancer.org. There's there's a ton of five Ks that they have nationwide. Not one in Hawaii yet, so there's no reason to go there. But um, there's one in New York, I know. There's plenty of reasons to go to Hawaii, sir. You know what? I think when I can take my shirt off and not be embarrassed in public, I'm going to Oahu. You're gonna have a lot of fun out there in the water. It's gonna be good. All right, uh, hour number two is upon us. Bobby Fong is going to join us, who is uh, currently leading the championship standings in the Super Sport in Moto America and um, the Worm. I text Ed and I said, get Larry on, because he uh, he is still amazingly fast. So he joins us now, Larry Pagram. What's up, Larry? How are you? Not much. How are you guys doing? Good. You, uh, you a fly tracker? Uh, I guess so. I was the other night, at least in the semi. Yeah, talk about it. that's cool, dude. Yeah, that I uh, you know I've done a handful of those things this year. Actually, I think I've done eight or nine of them. I was supposed to be one, and then Indian got me a bike at the first race, and I talked David Lloyd from the Lloyd Brothers into helping me out in Daytona, and John Cornwell, and you bet started doing a couple of races, and it turned into doing a bunch of them, and we we've had some pretty good success. I think we've. We've had a top five, a bunch of top tens, and started on the front row and even led a couple races, uh, very short but uh, uh, lead, but we got out front, so it was cool. And then at the uh, the race Saturday night in Mechanicsburg, which I won that race 25 years ago when I was there. Wow. Uh, I won, yeah, I won the semi, started on the, uh, up front for the main, so it was cool. I got to beat Jared Meese, which made me happy because I could then give him uh, I won't say a cuss word, but I could give him crap the rest of the night, and uh, and uh, <laughs> so it's cool because he's he's uh, me and him like to give each other a good ration. Yeah, that's uh, awesome, Larry. You, and kudos to you for being out there. Twenty five years later, who would have thought? I mean, uh, does it does it make you feel old? I mean, clearly you're you're still getting after it when you're winning semis because you are old. Well, I know I'm old. I turned 47 on the 5th of this month. That's <laughs> so. awesome, dude. But I, um, you know, I feel like physically I'm still in pretty good shape. You know, I'm not as, I'm not able to train enough. If I could train enough, I'm just too busy working. If I could train enough, I would actually be in really good shape. I think I'd be a little bit better. But part of it is I'm not mentally there um, just because I'm not racing full-time. That's not how I make my living. That's not all I think of. That's not what I, you know, I don't eat, breathe, and sleep it now, which I'd never thought in my life I would not, but I really enjoy myself when I get to go do these races, and I just, we started out to do it as fun, then we started getting a little better, so it got a little more serious, but, you know, everybody at Indian, Gary Gray, and then S&S, Dean Young, and, and uh, Paul Langley from S&S helped us out, the guys at Zanotti Racing, Dave Zanotti, and and uh, Michelle DeSalvo, who's Actually, Briar Bauman's mechanic, she's been helping us out. Jared Meese has been helping me and his mechanic, Kenny Tolbert. I mean, everybody's been chipping in a little bit, and and especially David Lloyd and, and John Cornwell. So we've just been having a ball, and 
I think sometimes we surprise them guys a little bit, which is cool. You know, we like I said, we've won two semis this year, so we've we've started up front twice and showed them we got the speed, maybe just not the endurance with this old guy. <laughs> well, Larry, that's it is an amazing feat, and it just reminds me what you'd said as far as you know, you're enjoying it. It isn't how you're making your uh, your your dinner money for sure. There's a lot of racers not only in flat track, but in road racing that we get to see, uh, you know, I, I think it's a fortunate time for a guy like you. And uh, it sounds like you feel the same, you know, there's, you have the ability to be out there competitively. Uh, we see it in road racing. Occasionally guys like rap come to mind. Um, Jeff may, there's a few others yourself included. If on the right day, Josh Hayes is still absolutely a fast guy. There, there's a number of guys who occasionally we get to see in it. As a fan, it makes the event all the better. As far as I'm concerned, is the AF is the AFT doing stuff with you? Uh, you know, to to highlight that kind of stuff, or is it uh, just you're another racer? As far as they're concerned, yeah, I've been pretty much just another racer. I, um, that race for sure at, at Mechanicsburg, or uh, I think it's called Williams Grove now. It used to be Mechanicsburg, but it was pretty neat to be honest with you. Um, the crowd was really enthused. They had a they had a, a basic sellout crowd. They had a huge crowd, and they you know, I don't know if you've been to an AFT event, but there's not many dudes under forty at it. So no, there are not, and I am there for sure. There was a lot of people that were really excited. I actually won the semi and got a standing ovation from the crowd for the semi. So it was pretty neat because I could actually feel, you know, that I was giving those guys something to really root for. So it was pretty neat. A lot of people came down in the pits and talked to me. So it was a really neat night. My dad went with us over there and i know he really enjoyed it and uh yeah it was a neat night i wish i could have done a little better in the main event i got i got a i got a killer start in the semi and i got a terrible start in the main and got roughed up in the first corner and was pretty far back and ended up ninth so it wasn't a great complete great evening but you know we showed we had some speed and and we were there that 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 series to be honest with you too is so competitive i mean i i, I was ninth and there was three guys behind me that won races this year you know i mean it's really the racing there's no doubt that the race and i and i'm glad we have a little time and jack i'm i'm before you call our next guest i want to run along with i may want to run along with larry just so you know let our next guest if you would uh bobby fong let him know we might run a little late with larry because i have a lot to cover with you worm um and here's an email that we got today and it, it wasn't intended to so i'm not going to say who it was from but it wasn't intended to be read on the air but i'm going to read just part of it um hey it's been a while since i sent an email i still listen uh, I'm worried about Moto America series. Glad to see it on TV, but I'm not sure attendance is up that much. Um, when I go, I see old guys like me or older, not enough young kids. I bring my college daughter to, to Barber, who, whom I used to bring when they were three to six at Road America. Take care. And and so that's that's Moto America, different series, but this the it resonates through all motorcycle fans, I believe. With the exception of maybe Supercross, but I don't think those guys are participants in a lot of cases. I think they go to the the you know the the, the monster trucks too, yeah, or whatever. It's definitely it's definitely a dilemma right now, and I see it too. And we were talking about it Saturday night at the flat track. It's it's an aging crowd, and I don't know that it's not that we're not doing a. We're, it's not that we can't entertain a younger crowd. For some reason, they're just not interested in live entertainment. Almost, you know. I mean, these 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 devices and this world is changing, and 
you know, I, I think we all probably agree, maybe not for the better in a lot of ways. So I don't know how we enthuse this younger generation to live their life in a outdoors real, in the real world. Outdoors you know? in like, the real world. Yeah, gosh, it's so amazing to me that these kids, their real world is basically based in that phone. It's not, that that's their reality, and it's so hard to understand for people that are our age because we grew up differently but man i don't know how we get a younger generation interested in motorcycle racing of all kinds i mean i see all sports going that way you know i I think we we see it with nascar too their numbers are down with car racing i don't know that we see it worldwide but we definitely see it in the u.s i watched the moto america series at at new jersey and i you know i love those guys i mean that's that was my life and it kills me to see that stands at New Jersey. That we used to sell that place out. It was packed, and and yeah. even the World Superbike race. I watched the World Superbike race from Portimao, and I mean, they never do great at Portimao, but it was embarrassing for to to look in the stands at that race. You know, I mean, these are the best guys in the world on a superbike, and I don't know, I don't know what we do, but you know, obviously MotoGP is doing pretty well, but you got a guy like me in that series as far as age is going. When he steps out, they may they may have a big problem there too. So I don't know what we do, but it's it's I don't know that it's specific to one series. I think it's motorcycle racing and really extreme sports like that with motorsports in general. And we we hear the same across all disciplines. It's uh, racers are are uh, sadly uh, it seems perhaps a, a dying breed. And I was going to ask you, Larry. I mean. AFT, if anything, I would say is is really a series that has energy right now, or so it seems from the outside. And most of the the racers we're talking to are are mirroring that, or or saying, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's on the upswing, and we've seen an absolute resurgence of road racers, as we all know. Not just yourself, a whole bunch of them this season who, when there's not a conflict and they have the ability, they're out there taking advantage of. Um, the AFT series, yeah. and I assume but, that's and, because and that, it's that's a survival thing. You yeah. know what I mean? As much as it is, they everybody. I think everybody that rides dirt track loves it. It's so much fun, but it's a survival thing for those guys. They see that there's money now to be made racing flat track. There's factory rides out there. There's people getting paid to ride, and that's going away in the in the throw your hat in the ring. So, yeah, they got they've got a. They, there's nothing better in life now that I'm older and I'm, and I'm, I'm kind of working for a living, you know, uh, running a business. There's nothing better in life than being a professional motorcycle racer. <laughs> it is the greatest way to make a living there is in the world, and I did it for a long time. And, and, and uh, boy, it's getting harder and harder to do that. Yeah, and I, I think you're right. AFT is as given uh, pros with the, the ability, uh, another avenue, at least if not uh, to have a season-long uh, paycheck, at least go out and make a make some race money, which is worth doing. And again, to your point, put their hat in the ring. Yeah. It's yeah. not. Yeah, I think. It, go ahead. It's not just motorcycle racing. It's not just NASCAR. It's outdoors. It's hunting. It's camping. It's fishing. They're all, all those segments are, are, are down in with youth. And it's, uh, you know, when in two th- and it's something that, you know, if you have a dad that, and it could be a mom, but whatever, if you have parents that are really into outdoors and they're outdoorsy people, you've got a, a higher chance of having a kid that's outdoorsy, right? If that's how, yeah. you know, you got where I live, it's a lot of rednecks and they, they go hunting and fishing and whatever. And, and they end up 
being in their early 20s drinking bush light because that's what their parent you know and they <laughs> then they're just cooters and that's what they do and yeah. uh and whatever i don't you know i'm not judging i'm just saying that's the reality of if you but but the thing is is we have all the electronic stuff and it's a lot easier to hand your kid my phone than it is to to work with her on stuff and if you're exactly. and we're busy i think a lot of it is us being as parents we've become just as lazy as what we accuse our kids of yes we allowed that phone to entertain and educate them and we got to force them to get a little mad at us and go listen you're going to go to the race with me this weekend yes they may just enjoy it you know my my parents take my daughters my daughters now are 14 and 10 my parents take them camping every year and they make them go with them and they used to love it and they go canoeing and they do all this stuff and when they take them they're not allowed to have their phones and they absolutely think the world is coming to an end but about the second day of this thing, they're having more fun than they've had in the whole year. So yeah, they, that's awesome. They won't admit it to you, but they really do. And I think as parents, we got to do it. I mean, our kids get really mad and tell us we're the worst parents in the world, but we've got to do something. We've got to force them to, to do activities maybe that they don't want to do. And then when they turn 18, if they still want to live without all that stuff, I guess we've instilled it. But I think we got we got to do that as parents. I, I think that's the only way to save this next generation or at least teach them hey you can do something other than that but i don't know i think i think we're all pretty worried we're probably like every other generation before as we said that these kids are so dumb they're never going to make it <laughs> yes this all rings true of uh, things i've heard my <laughs> grandfather and my father say for sure it's a different thing in in this generation but the sentiment's the same and life does carry on it's sad that uh if it's going to mean the the ultimate demise of What's clearly our passion here at Pit Pass, yours as well, lifetime of uh, passion in the sport, uh, Larry. You know, it's it it does bring bring a little tear to everyone's eye, but it, there's a lot of really bright people working on the solution. So let's talk more specifically about about Moto America series. So I I, uh, I run a, an event in Davenport. It's a vintage half mile, vintage motorcycles, vintage racers too, in most cases. Um, and I, Larry, I worked with, and it's just, it's the Friday of Labor Day weekend. So it was just a week ago or, or a week and a half, whatever. And I, so I, I worked with, uh, Chris Carr. He came and raced the Boltacos, which you should be on a Boltaco next year. If you're interested, let me know. Cause it's fantastic racing and it's on a true half mile, big half mile. It's a fast half mile. Um, so, so, uh, Chris came and we talked about it and, and, and and it was important as important for him for me to have him look at the event and see what he where he thought I could improve the event as it was to watch him race and get beat by Davey Durrell, right? Right. So and and it was an awesome race, man. But it, it was so I, I was talking to him and I and I was talking to him the week after we, we talked on the phone several times and and the marketing efforts that I I have available to me very easily money well spent on my motocross track is digital it's facebook instagram that sort of thing however um this davenport thing it's three hours from my house i don't necessarily have a lot of vintage flat track guys in my facebook i do some or in my instagram because them guys ain't on it that's not i mean some of them are but for the most part the fans and and i don't have any problem getting the racers there because the race is 31 years old and the guys that are doing it, they love it, and they're coming back next year. The but the fans, you know, to get three thousand fans, it's it's a chore. It's a chore to get that done because you can't run digital, so you actually have to have a flyer in your hands. 
in these people's hands and how do you do it and nice I, glossy poster yeah so it's a real challenge for me to figure out where i and if i go to spend local radio local tv over there it it's not going to draw people because young people aren't interested in racing like and i don't want to reinvent i'm not trying to reinvent or, or or i'm just trying to keep my event alive and successful and profitable right so right I see AFT has some of the same challenges. I see they do a lot, and I see it's on TV now. We can watch it on our on our device. It's uh, it's fantastic, and the racing I believe has never been better. I really think that there's. I don't know that the depth is is there like it was twenty years ago, but it's certainly there. Are some they are just as good, and for different reasons. The racers that are the the Jared Meeses and and all those guys that are that are that are racing around there at the in that series. Um, so the racing's fantastic. There's, there's no holes in the program, in my opinion, uh, from a fan standpoint, other than there's not enough butts in the seat. So AFT has, has come up with, with, uh, you know, Michael Locke and, and crew, they're working very hard to bring a different younger demographic without pissing off all the old guys. Right. Or at least that yeah. seems to be what they're trying to do. But in Larry Pagram, in your opinion, what is it that what's the magic if there is one? What's the magic bullet for AFT to make that series bring it to the level? And then I want to talk about the sixteen rider program that they the three different tiers that Michael Locke was on the show a week or two ago and talked about. But uh, what do you think AFT needs to do to 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 for that series to see the potential that it should see as good as it as the riders are and as well as the program is ran? You know, it's. Uh, I, I think you know. We used to always think we knew. <laughs> I used to always say, "Well, if we could just get it on TV," because I used to think mile dirt track racing was the most exciting show you'd ever seen. If you watched that Springfield Mile last Sunday, I mean, would they have you know seventy lead changes in twenty five laps with ten guys? I think the top ten guys came across the line within six tenths of a second. Well, Sunday was rained out. You either mean Saturday oh, Monday, or Monday. Monday. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but but you know, I mean. But then I sat there and I said to myself, okay, it's been going on for this many years. It's made it on TV. Maybe it's just us. <laughs> Maybe we just like it more than we think every and everybody else should. So I don't know sometimes. But I do know for the livelihood of this thing to continue, we got to figure out some way to engage some younger people. And I have no idea how to do that. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I have a 14-year-old daughter and... I think everybody that has a 14-year-old daughter would probably say the same thing. I have no idea how to engage a 14-year-old person on this planet right now. So I, I'm I'm at a loss. I know it's the greatest thing I have ever seen when I watch good racing. But I don't know that it, it translates right now to the people that are coming up. I think, you're, I think we have a set of challenges there. And it's, um, yeah, um, I don't know. I it's, wish I could tell you what I think, but I, what I think is it's it's awesome. Why doesn't everybody want to watch it? <laughs> yeah, I can't tell you that. I don't understand that. You know, I mean, when I'm sitting at home on a Saturday or Sunday, if I'm not doing something, all I'm doing is watching different kinds of racing on TV. That's all I do the whole day, each day, because that's what I want to watch. But uh, I don't know how how we translate that. I know, um, I know guys like Wayne Rainey and 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 those guys in Moto America are doing a great job. I know Michael Locke and his group I think are doing a great job. But I still don't know that I see 
I don't, if, you know, if I was a betting man, I don't know if I'd put money on it. I just don't know. Growing up around motor, so the commonality, the the thing that I always think of when we have this discussion, and usually right after it's over, is what I have in common with Tony, and I think most motorcyclists, not every single one, but we grew up with motorcycles. My dad had motorcycles. I was riding them as a kid, you know, just even as a passenger before you had your first mini bike. You got to ride around on them, and I mean, I still ride motorcycles, but I don't have kids. Tony, you're riding motorcycles. Your daughter's going to get it. She's riding. She's got a little Stasic, and she yeah. uh, and because of her mom, she's not as engaged in motorcycles as I am. Because when I say, "Hey, let's," it's she looks at her mom, and her mom doesn't want to go ride the one ten in around the yard or whatever. So then it turns into we don't, you know, I do, and they don't, or whatever. And, and um, yeah, I mean, and I we've we've addressed it, and we've. You know, we're talking about making sure that it isn't about being on a handheld device, whatever. But I also think the motorcycle industry, even though it's it's saving a lot of dealerships and manufacturers, it's create the segment that they created with side by sides has absolutely killed motorcycles because you can buy one side by side, put the whole family Service in the it, whole family, service right. the whole family, go out and cruising in the desert or or on the trail or whatever. And that kid's in the back seat with their phone, Insta paging or whatever. <laughs> While they're in the back, you're Snapchatting, so right. yep. and they're not engaged, right. and they're not riding motorcycles. And side by sides, even though I own a couple of them, suck because yeah. Yeah. They're, they're a tool, as far as I'm concerned, or something to not, you know, to help me not kill myself in the wintertime when I can't go ride my motorcycle because I have one with a heater and a cat. They're handy, handy for plowing. Yeah, you know well, what I mean. So but, it's but when you look when you look at it, guys. I mean, regardless of what we do, twenty years from now, do you honestly think there'll be motorcycles on the street? Yeah, I, the, the argument I, can easily be made. No, there. I mean, there's a really good chance there won't. You won't be permitted to ride your motorcycle on the street twenty years from now. Probably ten years from now. Uh, I think. Honest, uh, I bet you they go away. For, production would end first. I think, Larry. I get where you're going. I think production but ends first. Autonomous cars. I mean, what's going to happen within the next ten to fifteen years? You won't be allowed to drive your car. It'll all be autonomous, and the people who have a Mustang, '69 Mustang, are going to get in a wreck, and they're going to say that guy killed somebody because he wasn't driving an autonomous car, and they're going to outlaw them. And then guess what's next? Mot- motorcycles are right there. No, I'm 100 percent with yeah. you. I think once yeah. once autonomous takes over, uh, what does that word even mean? The self-driving you cars. Don't have to drive. You don't drive. Self-driving. And they've already got them. They're, they're, they're already yeah, out there. They're out there. My buddy, who's a, uh, a guy that used to own MDK Motorsports, Mark Kavami, who oh, yeah. had a Supercross team years ago. Great guy. Very uh, affluent venture capitalist guy. I mean, he says my 10-year-old daughter will probably never drive. That's how quick it's coming. And I, you know, he, he's kind of a tech, tech venture guy. So he says that within 10 years, nobody will be driving. Ah, come on. I think there's going to be a place for, uh, much like we see right now, the vintage. Ten years? It'll be vintage. You know, you'll have collectors. These, I, these how vehicles are you gonna aren't get... going away. But you're, you're right, Larry. If the if the government steps in and says you can't drive them, that can't go worldwide, though. I mean, the, we're one of the few places in the world Hold that up. has Hold the up. roads for this. Hold up. So you're, people are not going to stop building houses. They're not going to stop. So you're going to need to get the excavator to dig the basement. And the materials to there, 
So you're telling me that they're going all the all the semis that are all on the road? The, yeah. Oh they're, yeah. They're all going to be autonomous semis. Semis are, are going to be the first one that they force to do it. Nah, I don't Watch. think so, Larry. Well, I think you're full of beans, I didn't think brother. So either he thought he 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 showed me some other things and said you didn't think this was going to happen when we predicted this ten years ago. And we invested in it. So that guy's smart. I have met him, and he is yeah, extremely way smarter than me. But, well, and, and what we see in our country right now is as soon as something they think is dangerous, they outlaw it. So when 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 they start having wrecks with these autonomous cars because people are driving and they they deem it the person's fault that's actually driving and not the autonomous car, they'll say, "Well, nobody's allowed to drive because you might kill somebody." So <laughs> yeah, it is know, the way the government tends to work. Yeah, yeah. You know. Wild. All right. Well, that was. Uh... I got the up, the uplifting we end got, of the our... really <laughs> Yeah, we did. Talk about motorcycle. Let's go ride some wheelies and <laughs> flush that out of our system. Go do a couple burnouts all the way down uh, the road here, Tony. So, uh, so we're we're about a, we're actually six minutes past uh, Larry's allotted time, but I do want to ask you. You said you're you're working for a living. What's your business? Lawn care. Uh, uh, well, I am. I am. Uh, I own a company called Pure Ohio Wellness here in Ohio. We are the one of the 12 uh, medical marijuana cultivation facilities in the state of Ohio that got licenses. So I'm now a pot grower. <laughs> Cheers to you, sir. That's going to be the growth I would industry. Be in my whole life. I never thought that would be a thing, but I'm actually a big advocate of it now, and not just because I own it. It's, it's definitely a great uh, a medicinal thing, and we could talk for hours about that. I won't get into it, but it's, it's – uh, it's opened my eyes to a lot of different things about the government, for instance. But we, we could we could talk for hours on that kind of stuff. So worms growing the dope, huh? <laughs> Cheers to you, sir. I'll we've got, we've got CBD sponsors in uh, in various forms of motorsport, so that's coming yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, I think you're going to see that CBD and 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 cannabis in everything in the future. You know, there's a lot of medicinal uh, properties to it, and uh, yeah. So I'm excited to be in the industry. It's it's a pretty neat industry. It's a very passionate group of people, which is similar to motorcycle racing. You know, they're they're passionate about what they do. They're not this. It's not a warehouse that you're. You know, it's not a Walmart warehouse where everybody's just doing their nine to five. It's a pretty neat industry too. And and uh, a lot of the uh, the passion kind of from my racing carries into that, and that's why we become pretty successful pretty quickly. Huh. Interesting. Well, so not lawn care. No, not lawn care. Not yet. Kind of. We're kind of. Grass. We're just not mowing it. <laughs> <laughs> how do you, right on. How do you harvest that? I mean, you just have a bunch of dudes in there clipping and and bagging it, and hopefully they don't put it in their pocket, or or maybe you yeah, let them. Yeah, it's pretty regulated in Ohio. It's not like California or Colorado or something like that. They only gave out twelve uh, licenses for it, and it's it's very regulated. And we have we have some automation with machines on the trimming, but we have a lot of people work for us. I've got over over fifty employees now, so wow. it's pretty neat. Wow, pretty cool, Larry. Yeah. What's next for you for racing? Uh, nothing for a little while. I'm gonna go. I, I'm gonna go do the Phillip Island Classic again. Cool. This winter, I'm done doing the. There's two more dirt tracks, but I'm not doing the last two. I told the wife I wouldn't do the mile races, so I've been doing some of the half miles and TTs and short tracks, and uh, and so I'm gonna do that Phillip Island Classic again, and uh, probably do some dirt tracks again next year if Michael Locke will let me. You know. Yeah. Phillip Island Classic. That is the road race one. Or is yeah, that it's a, it, they do that in January. It's a vintage weekend. He did it yeah. last year. They, yeah, 
he yeah, did it last year. Really cool. You and Hayes and it. May, right? Yeah. Was it May? Yeah, and we got we got beat by the Australian team, so we're going back this year to kick their butts. Let's hear about that when it happens. Yeah, Jeff May got a little nicked up over there, didn't he? Yeah, he. No, it was um, or young uh, Jason Pridmore. Oh, it was Pridmore. Pridmore that's did. it. Yeah, he got high sided and broke his leg, and it was really unfortunate because he was kind of our captain on that whole deal. He put the whole deal kind of together, and a guy named David Crusell, who who does a great job, and Kerry Andrews was over there. It was a bunch of old racers, but it was really cool. There was a bunch of champions there, and some cool. I mean, it was supposed to be vintage, but these were full works bikes. It was pretty cool. We were two seconds, I think, off the the uh, or three seconds off the super bike times from the year before. <laughs> Larry, we went, we went ten minutes past, but I I didn't I didn't get to ask you about um, the sixty the program with you brought it up with Michael Locke. I, I, do you, do you yes or no? I I do you do you agree we, with we that? We don't have enough time. We don't have enough time to talk about it. So you don't want to talk <laughs> about it? Okay. I'm gonna give a no comment on it right now. And we'll see how it goes. Right. Fair enough. All right. It's All fun right. having you on, Larry. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Okay, that's Larry Pegram. We're going to take a break. I want to give a big shout-out to um, Racetech Sciences Suspension. For nearly 30 years, Racetech has been producing the highest-quality suspension components and tools, including gold valves for most types of motorcycles and ATVs. You can visit their website at Racetech.com. We'll be right back. This is Pit Pass. Hey, this is Jeremy McGrath, and you're listening to Pit Pass Moto Racing Weekly. Get ready, race fans, because the ultimate NASCAR experience is about to hit the airwaves. Welcome to Pit Pass NASCAR, the podcast that takes you deep into the heart-pounding world of NASCAR racing. Join us each week as we bring you closer to the NASCAR action with exclusive interviews and all the news and rumors you need with your favorite drivers, team members, and industry insiders. So whether you're a fan of super speedways, short ovals, or road racing, or you've just watched Talladega Nights, Pit Pass NASCAR is the podcast you've been waiting for. Get ready to fuel your passion for NASCAR like never before. Subscribe now to Pit Pass NASCAR on your favorite podcast platform or head to evergreenpodcast.com and get ready to join us. Launching in the fall on Evergreen Podcast Network. Follow us on social media at pitpass underscore NASCAR to stay up to date with everything you need to know about the podcast. 